to the call-in. Colts call-in. I'm Ken Sterling, and we're talking about Kenny Moore because this is interesting to me. Kenny Moore sat the optional OTA this Wednesday, and and so we've got to look at Kenny Moore and decide on his deal. He is worth renegotiating with or whether the Colts ought to stand firm because the Colts, they got a budgetary jigsaw puzzle, man. And Chris Ballard has to figure out how to make those pieces all fit together. Now, Kenny Moore is an important piece of that defense. However, he is also a guy who has already negotiated an extension, a four-year extension that he signed in 2019, and he's got two years left on that deal. Should he respect the deal, respect his signature, and continue to play under his current contract, or should he hold out a mandatory minicamp, kind of put $90,000 at risk in terms of fines, and then maybe more fines if we get to the preseason, get to camp, and he's missing days in camp? Should he hold firm, try to get more money, or should he decide, hey, you know what, here's what I want to do. I want to make more money. I got to get while the getting's good. I'm going to be 27 years old very soon. I've got two years left on this contract that pays me less than my market value, according to me. So what should Kenny Moore do? Look, Kenny Moore signed a four-year, $33.3 million extension in 2019 that took effect in 20. So he was paid under those terms in 20 and 21. He's got 20 and 22 left. In 2022, uh, this coming season, and 2023, he is going to make, he's going to make $6.75 million this coming year, 7545 in 2023. The deal that he signed was for $9 million guaranteed. He was an undrafted free agent in 2017 out of Valdosta State. He was signed and waived by the New England Patriots. He was claimed the next day by the Colts. The Colts figured out that he could play football, put him in a position where he could make a lot of money. He is now, while he's only got the $9 million guaranteed on this current four year deal, he's going to make the entire amount on this deal, the $33.3 million, because he's getting better at his job. This is not a guy who signed that deal and decided, you know what, to hell with it. Uh, I'm going to kind of show up but I've made all the money. The $9 million guaranteed is going to carry me for the rest of my life and pay for my parents' house. That would be a nice thing to be able to do. The $9 million is going to cover that. Whatever I get on top is gravy. I'm good. That's not what Kenny Moore did. Kenny Moore keeps ascending in his importance and keeps ascending in terms of, uh, uh, of his value to this team. He's third in tackles this year. He was tied for first in interceptions with Darius Leonard with four. He led in 2020 in interceptions with four. He is a dude that absolutely uh, has put himself in a position to be considered one of the best, if not the best, slot corner in the NFL. And that is a position also of ascending importance. If you want to talk about this, we'll talk about this. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say about this. So activate yourself as a caller. Those of you who are listening, and and let's go and let's chop it up and figure out. I, I want to know where you stand because this is a gray area. All right, this is not cut and dried. This is not. Hey, you know what? Kenny Moore's got a signed contract. This is a guy 
who every time he walks on a football field is putting his career and his ability to earn in danger because that's what football is. Football is a dangerous sport. And as a dangerous sport, you put yourself at risk for torn Achilles. We've seen that happen. Malik Hooker, how much money did Malik Hooker leave on the table by uh, tearing his Achilles? How much money did Marlon Mack leave on the table by tearing his Achilles? You got to get while the getting's good. And that's the way it works in the NFL. And the getting is really good right now for Kenny Moore, who is highlighted on hard knocks in season quite a bit over the past season and made his first Pro Bowl while, like I said, statistically really kind of showing out. 102 tackles in 2021. That's number three on the the Colts behind Bobby O'Karake and Darius Leonard. Four picks, one uh, forced fumble. He was tied for first in interceptions with Darius Leonard. He had one, or he was first in pass defense, uh, and he was third in tackles for loss behind Buckner and Muhammad. This is a guy who's played really, really good football. And uh, you look at the way people are paying guys in the NFL at this point. We talked about it on the YouTube channel a little bit, but I think it bears mention. Jimmy Haslam, among the 32 owners, look, you know what? Stan Kroenke is a guy who is costing the NFL owners a lot of money because of the lawsuit the city and county of St. Louis brought against the Rams when they left St. Louis, saying that they violated their contract. And that is, uh, you know, however that turns out, he wants the rest of the NFL owners to chip in and help pay for that, for uh, the legal fees and, and other things that extract him from his deal with the, uh, uh, with the city of St. Louis. At any rate, Jimmy Haslam has trumped Stan Kroenke because Jimmy Haslam is signing people to crazy contracts. Deshaun Watson, $230 million, all of it guaranteed. A five-year deal for him to pe- play quarterback. Then today it's reported David Nyoku signed a four-year $56 million deal, $28 million of it guaranteed. And here's what he's done over the last two years. He's Mo Ali Cox. To be honest, Mo Ali Cox and David Nyoku over the last two years had the same exact number of receptions. They uh, Mo has 11 more yards on average receiving than Nyoku. They both have six TDs over the last two years. And Mo's got a three-year deal where, uh, with $8.2 million guaranteed. And Nyoku, like I said, $56 million deal over four years with $28 million guaranteed. Jimmy Haslam is disrupting. He is agitating the pay scale for NFL players, and and it's causing great disruption in the land. If you're Mo Ali Cox, forget about Kenny Moore for a second, but if you're Mo Ali Cox, what do you think your value is? And can you, can you, uh, with a, a, and his extension hadn't even gone into effect yet. Mo's hasn't, but is he going to sit? because he's not being paid nearly as well as Nyoku for a deal that hadn't even started yet. Activate yourself as a caller. I want to hear what you got to say about this. Um, free agency in the NFL is a, uh, a, a constantly sliding scale, and the Colts have a lot of free agents coming up in 2023. And as you decide what you're going to pay a guy like Kenny Moore, you got to figure out what you're going to pay a guy 
like Matt Pryor and like Quentin Nelson and like Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin and Yannick Ngakwe, Taekwon Lewis, all these guys are going to be free agents. Kari Willis is going to be a free agent. Um, hey, Noah, activate yourself as a caller. We don't do comments on this thing. This isn't the YouTube channel. We just talk to each other, for God's sake. Um, I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. I, I don't just want to read what you've got to say in a comment. Let's go. Uh, Rodney McLeod is going to be a free agent. You have to figure out the pieces of this puzzle because if the Colts are as successful as they feel they're going to be in the upcoming season, then you have to pay guys in order to maintain that level of play. And that means giving Quentin Nelson a raise. It means giving Yannick Ngakwe, if he's good for the 8-12 to 12 sacks that he's always been good for in the Gus Bradley scheme, you got to figure out a way to pay him. you got to figure out a way to pay Okereke. And if all of a sudden you're tearing up contracts that you already know what they're going to be worth in order to, to keep a guy like Kenny Moore, you're putting at risk parts of the rest of the, uh, of the roster. And then when you look ahead to 24, not only do you have Kenny Moore as a potential free agent then, you've also got Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., Danny Pinter, Grover Stewart, and others who are going to be a free agent. And, and so you've got to account for how you're going to pay those guys, assuming that you want to keep Matt Ryan into a third year, and you, you don't know whether you do yet. Um, that is really, really the key for this thing, is figuring out exactly what you're going to do and with whom and how much you're going to pay those guys. And, and that's the problem with a guy like Kenny Moore saying, hey, I deserve more. And he probably does deserve more. Uh, let's go to uh, JG. How you doing, JG? Make sure you unmute yourself. What do you think of Kenny Moore? Do, do you tear up the contract and pay Kenny Moore, or do you hold him to that contract? Uh, I, I kind of have a different approach. I, I think you might might look into maybe trading him. Try to get some trading him with his current contract. So, what do you think you get for Kenny Moore, knowing? that he, he doesn't want to play for the Colts, assuming he doesn't want to play for the Colts without tearing up the extension and signing a new one. What, what do you think you could get for Kenny Moore? Uh, maybe, maybe a couple third-rounders. Oh, geez, really? You know, you just acquired Matt Ryan for one third-rounder, right? Yeah, I think the Matt Ryan, that, that, that was just a lucky trade, though. Like, I mean, and, and the Falcons unload the contract. Yeah, and that's what but, they really wanted out of the deal. They got rid of the contract. They got a third rounder. We got Matt Ryan. So I get what you're saying. And Kenny Moore is certainly affordable as a slot corner in the right uh, kind of that right scheme. You, you got to maybe like the Bears because they, let's face it, dealing with the Bears is is all. It's like walking into a casino <laughs> where the dealers are all crooked. Right? You know you're going to get paid at the casino with crooked dealers, and that's what it's like dealing with the Bears. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't want to lose him uh, this year, and uh, I, I think they they can probably negotiate something a little bit. They just want to keep him around. I think you know they definitely have a little salary cap left. They can maybe put a couple kickers in his contract based on performance. But I mean, I, I kind of don't uh, blame players for kind of sitting out, uh, kind of after. After Dak got hurt a couple of years ago, or I guess it wasn't a couple of years ago, maybe like a year ago. Yeah. I mean, he was, he probably like 
he probably could have got a little bit more money had he had he set out. Like that that was just a rough injury. I mean, I think he came back pretty well, but you know, injuries did, did, injuries happen like that in, in football. So like, I think it's a little bit different in basketball, but definitely in, in football, I, I don't blame a guy for sitting out. What do you think about Kenny Moore's value to the Colts? It, it, is it, I know he's just a slot corner, and people say just a slot corner as though it's not a very important, you know, kind of functional piece of the defensive puzzle. But what do you think Kenny Moore's value is to the Colts? Do they, let me put it this way, if they uh, lose Kenny Moore, do they take a significant step backwards defensively? Nah, I think they can find somebody else that that can at least kind of hold down the position. Might not be as good, but I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think the Colts record uh, lives or dies on on Kenny Moore, like being on the team this year. Perfect. Thanks so much, JG. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Thanks, Ken. You too. That's JG. Uh, Good call. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, um, it's an interesting question. Here's another thing to consider. You know, you, you've got a guy like Kenny Moore who's halfway through this extension. It's a four year extension. He's got two years left on it. If you renegotiate it based upon him holding out of an optional OTA or a mandatory mini camp, do you then open the door for the rest of the Colts to say, you know what, Kenny got paid, Kenny got his money, and and he was under contract. How about this? How about I hold out and I get paid too? And, And so you wind up with guys sitting instead of working and contracts don't mean anything anymore. You're you're going to be because here's the way here's the way contracts work, right? You you have the contract for the Colts, and the Colts are putting up money up front, right? There's a signing bonus. They're saying here's this big giant sack of cash for your future value. We believe you're going to be valuable, so here's a sack of cash. They don't know whether you're going to tear your Achilles tomorrow. So as you move through the, the contract, you have sustained your value with the team and you have created value so that at the end of the contract, really the Colts come out on the good side of it, whereas on the front end, maybe they wouldn't have. Uh, you you want to talk about this? Activate yourself as a caller. Jake, Darren, thanks for joining. And uh, this is a, it, it's, it is a gray area issue. It's not cut and dried. And, and when I first saw it, that Kenny was sitting out, I thought, you know what? You sign your name to a contract, and that means something. And I've signed contracts. You've signed contracts. I always upheld my end of the contract, I, it, whether I was overpaid, underpaid, whatever I was. And I always thought I was, we always think we're underpaid. That, that's just life, isn't it? And, and that's no different in the NFL. But if Kenny Moore believes that he's underpaid and he's going to sit something that's mandatory and cost himself $90,000 in terms of fines for sitting out the, the mandatory minicamp, then what does Mo Ali Cox do? And, and we talked about this on the, uh, on the YouTube channel, but Mo, Mo compared to David Nyoku, who signed his extension, his extension's four years uh, and a gob of money, $56 million, $28 million guaranteed. Mo last offseason signed his extension. It hadn't even gone into effect yet. Three years, $17 million with $8.2 guaranteed. So $19.8 million less guaranteed, right, than David Nyoku. And these guys are statistical replicants. 
David Nyoku averaged over the last two years 27 and a half receptions, 344 yards receiving, and three touchdowns. Mo Ali Cox, 27 and a half receptions, 355 yards, and three touchdowns. These are the same cats. Like you're getting the same productivity as a receiver. As blockers, it's a little bit different. But you're getting the same out of these two guys from a receiver perspective at an eerie level. And and Jimmy Haslam is paying David Nyoku $19.8 million guaranteed more than Jimmy Ursay is paying Mo Ali Collins. Wow. If I'm Mo, I'm like, what the hell kind of an agent do I have? How did I get lowballed? Or are the Browns and Jimmy Haslam just clinically insane in the way they deal with things? Um, but Kenny Moore is a guy who had – this didn't happen with the Colts very often. The Colts run a, a really happy ship. You know, the, the players that they bring in, the, and they're really careful about bringing in guys who are going to be very happy playing in the NFL for the period of time they do. They make them feel appreciated. They make them feel loved. And that's just kind of what the Colts are about. And and so you've got a situation where Kenny Moore is being a disruptor. He's being kind of an agitator, and he's trying to change the form so he can get paid a little bit. Do you do you resent that as a fan? Do you feel like, boy, this is uh, this is not a a good situation for for Kenny Moore to put himself in or put the Colts in? Do, do you feel like I don't like Kenny Moore anymore because he's turned his back on his contract and his team if he sits out something mandatory? And it, it bears mention again, he's not sitting anything mandatory. He's sitting out OTAs. And and that's the way that the way that's negotiated is this is a mandatory or a, an optional deal. You don't have to participate. Kenny Moore was there. He was in attendance, so he's being supportive of his teammates. He's in the house. He's just not working. Does that bug you? If you were a teammate of of Kenny Moore's with the Indianapolis Colts and you saw Kenny sitting over on the sidelines and you're out there busting your ass trying to put the Colts in a position where they can win a damn championship, do you get pissed off? Do you feel like Kenny's not? And this is another question. It goes back to Darius Leonard. Darius with ankle surgery the previous offseason and trying to get that ankle healthy until he signed his extension, he didn't participate in camp. And he kind of had to nurse his way through the season last year and, and had a hell of a season, created four or 12 turnovers, right? Four interceptions, eight uh, forced fumbles. That's a hell of a year for a guy playing on one wheel. But he sat at camp. He didn't get out there and work. And, and they said it was the ankle. And you kind of, he was walking around all right. He wasn't in a boot. You know, could he have been out there working? Was he right to sit until he signed the extension that was a hell of a lot of money for Darius Leonard? No question he's worth the money. I mean, four years, right? Three times the first team all pro. And and the guy absolutely is defining what productivity is at that, at that will linebacker position. So, um but Kenny Moore, not at a position that is is really that important. It doesn't rise to that level of import. Act yourself as activate yourself as a caller. Uh, I want to know what what you have to say because again, it's not that I can be swayed in either direction. I just I but there are a lot of different perspectives 
I, I was commenting on the YouTube channel with a guy. We went back and forth forever. And and what the guy was talking about, what, he's kind of in the shipping business. And there are fines. There's a schedule of fines for a lack of delivery. And the lack of delivery can be caused by economic, uh, the, the effect of economics, which would make the delivery of some good or service um, more expensive than it was at the time that the deal was done. And so it becomes economically unfeasible to make the, the deal. And the fine becomes a less bitter pill than executing the contract. So a lot of guys pay the fine and they walk away from the deal. That's not what this is, I don't think. But it was an interesting conversation. And, and that's kind of the level of conversation I like having both on the YouTube channel and here with Colts Call-In and, and find out what, what you think. If you had to choose between, let's say, Kenny Moore and Quentin Nelson's going to make $13.8 million this coming year. Final year of his contract. He's going to be a free agent, and the Colts want to sign him to an extension. And let's say that that extension is going to pay him $16 million a year. So not only are you on the hook for this almost 14 this year, but then 16 over the course of maybe four or five years after that. If you had to choose between Quentin at left guard and Kenny Moore being happy, maybe doubling Kenny's payer, bumping him up to like $10 million, that that changes everything with this team and the salary structure for this team. How, how, do you, how do you reconcile that? How do you make all the pieces fit together if you're willing to renegotiate Kenny, who's got two years left on his deal, and then opening a Pandora's box that, you know, Mo Ali Cox can jump out of, that, hey, if anybody's underpaid on this team, it's JT, right? Jonathan Taylor ran for 1,811 yards last year. 23rd guy in the history of the NFL with more than 1,800 yards. He also accounted for 20 touchdowns last year, 18 rushing, two receiving. This is an enormously dynamic and important guy to the offense. And he's on his rookie deal as a second-round draft pick. You know, I mean, that's the that's the the question you've got to uh, you got to ask yourself. Let's go to Jake. Jake, make sure and unmute yourself. What do you think? Um, I think it's a really uh, interesting dynamic. First of all, Chris Ballard has a hell of a job to figure out with that. Zap, I understand how he does it. Um, but you actually kind of hit uh, hit well hit on a point that I was wanted to ask you about um do you think that jonathan taylor would get a second contract because as we've seen throughout the rest of the nfl backs don't have a long lifespan and... yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a really good question the, and we saw what happened with joseph adai right you know i mean that was uh, how 12 years ago or whatever but joseph adai made it through his first contract and the Colts said bye-bye and they were right to do it but Jonathan Taylor might be one of those unicorns. He, he might be a guy like Emmett Smith or Walter Payton or Barry Sanders, a guy who can continue to generate that level of offense over a sustained period of time. If he gets hurt and he loses any explosiveness, that calculus completely changes. But as it stands right now, I think that he's a guy. Yeah, but you bring up a good point. You got to get while the getting's good, right? And the getting is really, really good right now for Jonathan Taylor. But you also don't want to commit 
resources to a guy who may not be able to produce when that extension finally kicks in. You don't want to put yourself at a competitive disadvantage because you're being fair to a guy who who is being really productive. And if you if you do that with Jonathan Taylor, right? What's Michael Pittman Jr. going to do? You know, they, they, with every renegotiation, you kind of set, uh, you knock over the first domino and you're not really sure where the dominoes are, are going to wind up stopping. They're, uh, they're being knocked over, you know? And so I, I don't know if you nego if you negotiate an extension for JT, I think you put yourself in a box where you got to renegotiate a lot of guys. Um, tell me this. Do, do you think that Jonathan Taylor's more valuable to this team as it appears it's going to look in, in 2022 or Matt Ryan? Um, but Jonathan Taylor just has a value that's an X factor about him that I just I don't know if you can really quantify it. You know, you bring up a great point, and thanks for the call, Jake. I really appreciate it. And and that is the play action. The way Matt Ryan works play action is just absolutely a thing of beauty. And and when you watch him, if you didn't watch him a lot when he was a a, a quarterback for the Falcons. What Matt Ryan is really good at, and Peyton Manning was great at this, Brett Favre was great at this too, is working play action. And so with a running back like Jonathan Taylor, he's going to make that play action ability with Matt Ryan much more dynamic than it was, uh, much more productive than it was when he was with the Falcons. And, and that becomes a really interesting thing. This He fits what this offense is in the way – that Philip Rivers did, but more. You, you bring the intellect, but you've got a better arm. You've got slightly better mobility. Uh, Matt Ryan, not really known for being mobile, but he's more mobile than uh, Philip. And and then you you put him with a guy like Pittman, and you put him with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, and you put him with a guy like Naheem Hines, and all of a sudden you see kind of an offense that looks a little bit like the offense that the Falcons had back when they went to the Super Bowl. And you've got, I, I think that Naheem Hines, you look at a guy like Tevin Coleman, who is sort of a widget guy, a gadget guy for the Falcons back when they went to the Super Bowl, the Indiana University product, Tevin Coleman. And, and you see what a guy like Matt Ryan is able to do with that kind of panoply of, of options offensively. So you've got Michael Pittman Jr. You've got Mo Ali Cox. You've got a guy like Alec Pierce, and we don't know what the hell Alec Pierce is going to be. Let's be honest about that. Uh, Paris Campbell as a guy who is, uh, when healthy, a dynamic player. Mo Ali Cox, Jelani Woods. you got a lot of guys. you got a pretty good offensive line if Matt Pryor or Bernard Raymon, Ryman wind up being uh, a capable starting left tackle. This is a team, you look at the Colts with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan just kind of fits what this thing is. And, and I talked to people around the NFL about that acquisition of Matt Ryan, and they absolutely love it. This isn't like, you know, we, we all get tired. We all get worn raw by um, 
by Frank Reich being uh, just relentlessly positive and optimistic about everything. It's just nauseating. You question whether he's being honest about anything that he says. But when you talk to a guy like uh, there's a former NFL head coach, and I'm not going to I'm not going to mention names um, who absolutely loves this deal and says that for the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Ryan was the complete best option. There is nobody who is going to fit Matt Ryan better. And there's no team that Matt Ryan would fit better than the Colts. And so that's kind of what you got. You've got maybe, and, and Frank Wright calls it a miracle that they got Matt Ryan. Well, you know, I, I guess you got your, your grades of miracles. You got your eight grade miracle, a grade miracles like Moses parting the sea and and Jesus, you know, uh, the, turning water into wine, and then you've got the Colts kind of wandering into Matt Ryan and the trade that they executed with the Falcons. Probably not going to be chronicled in some later testament of the uh, of the Bible as as one of the great miracles of all time. But a really good fit for the Colts, a much better fit than a guy like Carson Wentz. And not to crap all over Carson Wentz again, but Matt Ryan is just a far better fit for this offense as it stands now with Pittman and Taylor and Ollie Cox and and Hines as your primary weapons. And then on the defensive side of the ball again, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about Kenny Moore. And, and Kenny Moore is one of the great all-time guys. And, and one thing that I can say after being in that locker room uh, until COVID hit, like every day that the locker room was open for the media to talk to players. Kenny Moore is a wonderful guy, and that locker room is filled with really, really good guys. And that was a distinct change between Chris Ballard as a GM and Ryan Grigson as a GM. Whatever you think of Ryan Grigson and his ability to kind of approximate the value of talent and go acquire talent and draft guys and sign free agents and, and comparing that with what Ballard does, the tenor of that locker room changed like 180 degrees as soon as Ballard got there. And you could tell like immediately the guys who appeared disconnected and not a part of the, not a part of the whole, if that makes sense, those guys were goners and the guys who replaced them, they, that place became harmonious and functional and fun to be in as a media guy and you didn't walk up to people and say, hey, you want to talk? Like, that's what we do, right? You walk up to Darius Hunter and say, Darius, you got a minute? You want to talk? Yeah, sure. Darius never says no. There is nobody in that room that ever says no. Ryan Kelly was so accommodating to me that I said, Ryan, you want to talk? And he's sitting in his locker. He goes, yeah, pull up a chair. So I pulled up a chair. And Christian, who works in media relations, looked at me as afterward and like scolded me. And I'm not used to being scolded. It's been a while since I was a fourth grader and I was scolded. Uh, I was like, wait, what's going on? And he said, you don't sit. Media doesn't sit. You don't sit in the player chairs. I said, he invited me to sit down. What the hell was I supposed to do? Tell him no, no, I'll stand up. Thanks. You know, uh, but that's how accommodating these guys are how sort of circumspect they are. They understand their role as not just football players, but guys who do talk to the media and, and kind of sell their team. And they know they're part of the ticket selling business and they're building their brand 
and they're really, really good at it. You talk to a guy like Jonathan Taylor. You talk to a guy like Michael Pittman. Talk to Bobby Okereke. Talk to Kenny Moore. These are really, really good guys. Kari Willis is a wonderful guy. Naheem Hines is a wonderful guy. That's what this team is built on. That's kind of the foundational uh, characteristic of this team, at least its off-field personality. They're wonderful guys. They're really cool to be around. They're fun to be in the locker room with. And Kenny Moore is a big part of that. Kenny Moore is a staunch advocate for uh, being a, a guy who does things in the community. Some players, they don't like that. They just want to play football and they want to go home. Kenny Moore is not that. Kenny Moore understands where he came from, went to Valdosta State, was undrafted, was cut. The Colts, they claimed him, and he's built a hell of a career because he's a hardworking guy and he's a really good guy. So does he deserve more money than $6.75 million in 2022 and almost $8 million in 2023? He probably does based upon the stupidity of a guy like Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns. Should he get it? I don't think he should. Because where are you going to sacrifice in order to find that money? That's the tough thing. All right. Um, thanks to everybody who participated. Uh, good conversation. I enjoyed it. Thanks, J.G., and Jake for uh, kind of sharing your thoughts. Um, the YouTube channel every morning at about eight and every afternoon inside Indiana Sports Now. Uh, and, and you can also get that on iTunes and just about everywhere. Um, and then call in. We do at least once a week when news breaks. We're going to be on call in talking, to, talking about it. Can't wait to talk to you next. Thanks very much. Have a great race weekend. Enjoy yourselves. And, uh, you know what? Uh, go Alex Pillow. I think he's going to win at Indy tomorrow.